By embracing their natural strengths, women advisors are upending the status quo and challenging the financial industry with a more authentic approach to doing business. Welcome to the Femex Advisor Podcast, where we empower female financial advisors to fearlessly embrace their authentic selves. Adri Miller-Heckman, the founder of Femex Advisor, inspires and empowers women to leverage their natural strengths, creating more energy, passion, and success. Follow along for female-driven, inspirational, and motivational strategies for you to create the extraordinary life you have always wanted. Well, welcome everybody to today's Femex Advisor podcast. I'm Adri Miller-Heckman, founder of FemexAdvisor.com, where women fearlessly embrace their authentic self. And my guest today, well, she's as passionate about changing the financial services industry for women as I am. While I focus on helping the women advisors create a more engaging and female-centric practice, my guest today is Barb Provo. She's a consultant, an educator, and an entrepreneur, and the founder of PurseStrings.co. PurseStrings is a resource designed to help women become financially fearless by learning what they need to know to make the right financial decisions for themselves and their family. So welcome, Barb, and thanks for being on the call today. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. You know, it's funny, I was reading your website, and I realized that I focus on helping women advisors become fearlessly authentic. And your homepage talks about women clients, about helping women clients become fearlessly, financially fearless. Yeah, there's a lot of (laughs) fearlessness. Yeah, right. That's one true uh, reason we're in sync, I think. (laughs) So we both started in the business eons ago, Mm -hmm. right? I started as a financial advisor, but you started in the educational site. So share with me in the audience how you started in this business and what that was like. Sure. So my background is I'm an adult educator. I I hold a doctorate in adult and higher learning. So my whole focus was always on educating uh, professionals, employees, whomever in their um, in the roles that they do so that they're confident and competent in the work that they do. So my passion is around really creating great content, great education, great information that conveys learning. And I use that passion in the financial industry area. So I was always building education for financial professionals, be it onboarding to a new agency, learning a new product, uh, learning a new strategy, a new sales process, whatever it might be. All of my um, work centered around really helping financial professionals do the work that they do every day. And what was challenging about that in financial services? The most challenging thing for me was day in and day out, I could see that they were really overlooking a female market. And being so close to the educational content and the processes, the procedures, products, I could see that none of that none of that spoke to women. It was very linear. It was very generic and it was very transactional. And none of that really speaks to the way that women do business. And it still is today. It still is today. Unfortunately, so it still is. So you were in the educational side. What pushed you out and to develop purse strings? 
Well, I kept bringing this up to management around their need to really look at women as a different market and that what they were doing wasn't really fulfilling what women need and want or how women purchase. And that just came from my gut. It came from what I observed and I could just, I couldn't unsee it. It was everywhere. And they really didn't see it the way and I they did. couldn't see it. Right? <laughs> they couldn't see it. No, you saw it everywhere and they couldn't see it anywhere, not anywhere. And even when I would do a lot of presentations and speak to it and show them, I, I just, I, people would shake their heads. They just couldn't see it. You know, even to this day, I will speak to a firm about the power of women, but when it comes to changing anything, it stops at the door. It stops at the door. And look at seminars today. Boring. Mm -hmm. How would you change? What would you change today if you could redesign the industry? What would you change? Oh my gosh, where do I start? Because <laughs> you're a designer, basically, an educational designer. Right. Well, so I, I say the model that we have today was built by men for men, very hierarchical, right? Very top down. Um, women don't work that way. Women build webs, webs of influence. We are not into hierarchies. We reach across, we help each other out, we lift each other up. We reach out to each other about, I need this. Do you, can you help me on that? Where did you learn this? You know, we ask each other, we share, we build kind of, like I said, a web. So think about the difference, a hierarchy versus a web. Very the way different. that, yeah, it's totally different. So it's, it's about really rebuilding and a lot of, and I'm sure you're close to organizations or women that you work with that are doing this, they're reshaping the way that they're doing their work, because women really need good financial services, products. They need experts in this field. They need people they can trust and work with. Women are very underserved market to the tune of $23 trillion. They're coming into the largest transference of wealth in history. They're a very powerful market, but they're still very underserved and unaware of all that they could be doing to leverage their money. What would you say was an experience you had? And I'm, I'm going to let the audience know, I did not prep Barb for any of this. So what was the most frustrating experience you had working in the financial industry that pushed you to go independent and do your own thing? Well, First of all, I'd completed my education. And the first thing was when I got my doctorate, my boss, who was a male, said, Don't put that on your business card. Nobody cares. <gasps> oh. So I was already dinged for just being overeducated, as he would say. And so it wasn't acknowledged as anything that was all that worthy, I guess. And to me, it was about really making sure great education, great content, adult-centric learning was taking place. And it wasn't death by PowerPoint or just because Ugh. 
Joe Schmo's the best salesperson. He's going to come and throw up everything he does. And that does not convey learning. And so over and over and over again, I would try to explain to them, that's not how adults learn. That's not how you're going to convey learning or behavior change if you're just getting people with a lot of PowerPoints who are just talking to an oh, audience. I love the term death by PowerPoint. So what's interesting is that you, here you were an expert. You were an expert in how to teach the content, the approach, the style, and yet you weren't heard. No, not at and all. That's exactly and I spoke how, up. Yeah. <laughs> I spoke Did up a you? lot. Oh yeah. I spoke up a lot and I pounded the pavement a lot because I thought this is how, you know, I have to tell them this, this is, they need to make these changes. And I really thought they were going to listen to me. But I guess that, that that's the answer to your question. When I just got the, the no, the no, the no, I thought, well, I guess I have to do this myself. <laughs> so isn't that interesting? Women advisors go through the same process, right? We, we feel in our gut, we know there's a better way to do this business. We try and express ourselves, but we don't feel heard. And at some point, you have to stop trying to be heard. You just do. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. So how did you just do? So um, I had my own consulting firm at the time. So I had lots of experience in lots of different financial organizations, saw the same thing everywhere. And somebody just, you know, I would always be saying this to people. You're, you're, don't you see, you know, this is giving them examples. And somebody just said to me, Barb, if this is really that important to you, then you need to do it on your own. And so what happened? What'd you do? Well, I actually was found on the web by the World Bank, who hired me to come in and build education for financial professionals to teach them how to engage with the female market. So while I was building my purse strings model, I thought, ding, 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 this is a worldwide issue. I went over there and worked with them and saw how they really implemented the training well. And in one organization, they have the data that it increased sales 52%. Wow. 52%. It's crazy, right? Because they were missing a huge market. And once yeah. they learned the education that was really implemented well, which is a huge part of any kind of project is implementation. Um, they then leveraged that education and used it in Sri Lanka, in the Philippines, in Cameroon, and then came back and said, help us with banking on women. We're having that same issue. So when I saw this problem happening um, all over the world, I knew that my model at purse strings, which was not even unveiled yet, was on the right track. So, And what is your model at purse strings? The model is this, that women need a trusted location, resource, one-stop shop to come to, to ask questions, get information, get some education, a safe place where they're not yeah. going to say, don't worry about that, honey, or, you know, you, you don't, you don't have to worry about that. We'll, we'll handle it for you. Um, People who will look them in the eye, answer their phone, respond to their question, ask them what else, what are your concerns and, and zip it and let women speak and share their concerns um, and actually plan to those concerns. So that's what women wanted. And I, I held a ton of focus groups and that's what they said they wanted. And that's what we built. So not just this safe place to come for information, knowledge and skill, but also trusted financial professionals across the industry who are ready, willing, and able and equipped to help women. 
And so, so it's interesting because um, both you and I, we talked about the seminars that mutual fund companies, annuity companies, insurance companies, broker dealers put out. And it's basically the same linear approach to teaching that uh, you're nodding and, you know, <laughs> right? Ad nauseum. How I know how I have created presentations. How do you recommend? What would you change about all those presentations? Everything. <laughs> Every, I wouldn't even put a PowerPoint slide up, right? It's about opening a dialogue. It's about having a conversation. It's not about presenting data. It's about really taking the time to listen, to learn, to understand who's in front of you, and to give them time, space to share what are your concerns? What is it that you need now? You know, women are so used to, as clients, being told, this is how you should think. This is how you should feel. This is what you should do, right? And for many of my clients, when they host events, I ask them, challenge your audience. Ask them questions. Get the conversation going. You You don't need a big dog and pony show. Mm -mm. If you're going to do anything, um, I teach them, if you need a PowerPoint to kind of keep you focused, then it needs to express a feeling. It needs to enhance what you're saying, not say what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, let follow their lead. That's what great facilitation is, is really, you know, in this, you know, 30 minutes or whatever it is, this is what we're going to be discussing. So people know what the topic is and what we're going to walk away with. But it's a matter of opening the dialogue to have a discussion around it. You know, women um, and adults, they come to the table because they have something to share. They have wisdom and knowledge and skill and experience. They don't want to be treated like children. You sit Mm -hmm. here and I will, you know, convey to you all my information that's dumped out of my brain. They don't want that. They want to have be part of the learning, part of the conversation. They want to be engaged and they want to be part of their decisions in their future. So if you were coaching a financial advisor today and they wanted to start hosting events, what kind of events would you recommend? Well, I... I really think it's not that generic. I think they really need to investigate who's their audience. You know, where do they live? What do people around them do? You know, do some groundwork. Uh, you know, do you live in a farm setting? Do you live in a city setting? Do you live in a suburban setting? You know, where do women hang out? What do they like? What don't they like? What's what's happening? How involved are you in your community to really know what's going on? To really put your finger on the pulse of what's happening around me, because it could be very different depending on where you live. So a lot of times I ask people to really do an investigation around Who's in their perimeter? Who's their audience? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And, yeah. And, and the environment out first. Yeah. And then what? What are some topics? Like you, you've provided so much on your purse strings website. What are some topics that you see women are really gravitating towards? You know, one that really hit a sweet spot, which which was really interesting, was stay-at-home moms. What do stay-at-home moms need to know if they leave the workforce and, you know, leave their benefit benefits behind, leave their paycheck behind, and what changes in that whole financial discussion in the household? And so many things bubbled up, and we had great discussions because, you know, stay-at-home moms think, well, I don't make an income. I'm not really 
worth much, where the reality is, is stay-at-home moms are worth about $200,000 a year if you were to replace all the tasks and jobs and everything that she does day in and day out, you know, cook, chauffeur. And that's a discount. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. And so do they need life insurance, right? Stay-at-home moms, they don't contribute typically to a retirement plan. Do you know how many women didn't know about a spousal IRA and the importance of having money in your own name for your own retirement and how you can that can be saved every year in your own name. Let's say you get divorced in 10 years. Well, you might have 10 years of spousal IRA contributions that could at least be in your own name. I mean, something like that. So they know, oh, there's some strategies, some things I can think Mm -hmm. about. Some women feel like they're not worthy to have a say about the income that's coming to the household because they didn't earn it. So how do they have a say into how that money is spent when it's coming to the household, how it's invested, how it's saved, how it's spent, and what it's spent on, um, how to have those kind of conversations with your partner. Um, There is a whole lot of things that came up just with the topic of stay-at-home mom and the impact to your finances. That's really interesting. You know, I have a lot of friends um, that stay-at-home mom. I have a lot of friends that are my age, maybe a little younger, a little older, Really hard for stay-at-home moms, women who chose to stay home and raise the kids, to feel good about themselves at this stage of their life, right? Exactly. And, and yet, they manage so much, um, so much, you know, juggling so many things, but they feel unworthy almost because all they did was raise their kids. Personally, I couldn't wait for Monday morning. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. It's true. And, and, you know, think about it. Then at this stage in our lives, the average age of a widow is 59. Oh. And the gray divorce is the largest age divorce. Um, and it's growing. So if women were not participating in those discussions around the money and the investments in the household, what happens at this point? Should she end up solo and aging alone. Now she has to step into that conversation around managing her own money or, you know, going through a divorce or what the expectations are and what's her life now. So we see a lot of that too, you know, women in transition in that way. How, um, how do you help financial advisors? How do we help them learn how to, so most of the financial advisors, I'd say all of them that we onboard we vet to ensure that they are the right ones for our group. We do have a course that's called Reach, Engage, and Earn the Female Dollar. And this course is very similar to what I built for the World Bank. And what it does is it really drives financial advisors through a, an assessment of their business practices. You know, we call all the interactions at every touch point where you engage with a consumer from the first time they look at your website or pick up the phone Mm. all the way through, you know, maybe closing on a product and then follow up and follow through. So what are all those steps that are involved and how are you engaging with women and what are the nuances that women take in at every point in turn that they're making decisions about whether they've made a good decision or not. You know, it's interesting. You talk about nuances. I have a very good friend who was here and her mother is 87. And my friend is very astute when it comes to finances. We talk about investing a lot. She manages their own money and they're very successful. She and her mother met 
with their advisors. I'm not sure if it was R.W. Baird or one of the bigger broker dealers that deal with high net worth clients. And she goes, you know, Adri, they were very nice and they were very open and conversational. But we walk in and here are these two petite women. They're all in business suits, starched, well-starched, very formal. And I said, and did they put you in a conference at a conference table? She said, yes. And I said, and were the leather chairs black? She said, yes. And she said, I was intimidated. I can't even imagine what my mother was feeling. And I understand investments. I mean, there are so many little things that advisors can do mm-hmm. to create. That was not a safe environment. Now, it wasn't a warm environment, a welcoming environment, an environment where someone felt like they could probably really share how they were feeling or really ask the questions. They would be, probably say, oh, I'm not asking any questions. Yes. And I love <laughs> that you vet the advisors because there are a lot of financial advisors who see women, and it is a very powerful, lucrative market right now. But if that's the only reason you're going into it, you're going to fail because Mm -hmm. women will see right through it. Mm -hmm. And they think they just need to put some nice coffee cups or some crystal or things of that sort out. And they've appealed to women. And what's interesting, Barb, is that you know, I talk about my mom. She was probably 70 when, and she always did whatever my dad wanted, right? Mm-hmm. He, he was a very strong, dominant type. And she called me and she said, Adri, I want a new financial advisor. And I was like, whoa, whoa. Okay. I knew this was going to upset the apple cart. And I said, why? And their financial advisor was a woman. And she said, because our advisor never talks to me. Oh. She only talks to your father. Yes. Well, and you know, go ahead. Well, I was going to say the the chime that what we heard over and over and over again is women would say, my financial advisor doesn't even look at me. They don't look. They don't know how to engage them. Right. right. When you're sitting in front of a couple and the woman isn't participating, you need to almost turn your chair look straight at her and fully engage her and say, I want to hear what you have to say. Absolutely. Because think about it. All those decisions made at the table are going to impact her more than they're ever going to impact him. Because statistically, women will outlive their male partner and they will age alone. And any decisions made years and years go by, all those decisions made that she maybe doesn't even know about, now she's uh, saddled with whatever the outcome is, good, bad, or indifferent. So don't you think that women as advisors, my feeling is this, we've been waiting, we've been preaching, we've been trying, you have in your way, I have in my way, trying to get the industry to, to acknowledge, to recognize they need to change things, Right. But I think the answer is, as advisors, as women, we need to change things in our own world. And the more we create a practice and an environment that fits with our nature, 
mm-hmm. as a woman, when we create a practice that is that web that you mm-hmm. talked about, mm-hmm. where women feel like it's a club-like atmosphere, that's when when we're going to change the industry, but we cannot wait for approval. Mm-mm. No. And, you know, like your mom, 70 to 80% of women will leave their financial advisor should anything oh. happen to their, you know, those to their um, male spouse, because they haven't been looked at. There's and no relationship. There's no relationship. And do you know what? That number hasn't changed. And the industry knows that number and they do nothing about it. And, you know, it's interesting because when I was a financial advisor, they would say, um, and the statistic was they would leave. Smith Barney did this whole study and they would leave within three years. Now it's one year. Yeah. And it's because they now know well, my friend's financial advisor does these fabulous events with yeah. all women. Why am I here? Exactly. Why am I here? So what, if you could give women advisors one piece of advice in that will have a big inc- impact on their success as well as on the environment, what would you, what would you recommend? Well, I see I see women who go into the industry with a really good heart and really wanting to help. I mean, it's great for women in this industry, but they find themselves in envir- in an environment where they cannot be successful because they cannot meet the minimum daily they get sucked calls in or whatever this. it is. Yes. You know, that they need to do this kind of, you know, whiplash thing like get going, get going. They can't lead with their heart. And so they need to really find the right environment or create one on their own, which is really going to resonate with who they are, how they work, how women engage. And really, they can. You can do this. And I know with your help, Audrey, and all the coaching that you do and helping them create this environment, you can do it. And I, yes. I really think we can shift the tide if more uh female financial advisors see that this is doable and possible and fruitful for themselves, um, they can do it. And, you know, we can really help women be what we say is financially fearless and live a good, you know, life and not have to spend their retirement, you know, cobbling jobs together, but really be, um, enjoy the retirement. I think that the key word here is be fearless, right? Mm -hmm. As a female advisor, trust your instincts. Mm Mm-hmm. Trust your gut. There may not be a model out there, although we have a model at Femex Advisor and Purse Strings provides provides incredible education. You know when what you're doing is meaningful, purposeful, and in line with who you are mm-hmm. as a woman. Mm-hmm. Trust that. Believe mm-hmm. in yourself. Don't wait for permission from the industry. Don't wait for permission from the manager or your regional manager. Go mm-hmm. do it. That's what we did. We we just blew off the the formal, the structure, the 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 corporate um, limitations, and did our own thing. And it's women who are willing to do that that are going to change the environment. Barb, thank you for joining us today. If people want to learn more about purse strings, where should they go? They can go just to purse strings.co. 
.co, that always throws me off. So I want to make a point of that. Yeah. And for those of you who who love this podcast, share it with all the women advisors you know. The more we work together and create this huge, massive web, mm-hmm. the stronger we will all be. Thanks again. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Femex Advisor Podcast with Adri Miller-Heckman. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available and connect with Adri on LinkedIn. To learn more, visit Adri's website at femexadvisor.com. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Femex Advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only.